0: Aw, oh, man, I am so sick of French movies that I'm actually excited for an American adaptation of something. Welcome to the Gay, Anarchist, Yoga, and Erotic Cooking Association, and tonight we're talking about the birdcage. But since birds of a feather flock together, I'm joined by three of my favorite foul personalities. First is the rockin' robin herself, Amelia.
1: My name's Amelia, and I'm a toucan, but not of the Sam variety, because that asshole just misrepresents all of us going after those stupid Fruit Loops. There's no fruits in this side of my woods. <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 Next up, they're the reason the sun rises. It's Mel.
2: Hi, this is Mel. I'm a mockingbird because I too enjoy greatly mocking people and delivering scathing comments to cut you down to the smallest size. You can visit me on Tumblr at Perhaps
3: It May Be Dragons.
0: And lastly, they only clean with their animal friends. It's Ro.
3: Hi, I'm Ro, and I am all 42 species of birds of paradise. Let's go!
0: <laughs> I just want to say that watching movies over Pride with y'all has been one of the best experiences I've had this year, this dark, depressing year. I'm Needle Kitsch, and we're about to talk about the plot a bit, so if you haven't seen this movie, now is your chance to abandon us like Catherine did to Val. Oops, spoiler oh, wow. um, <laughs> Ooh, deep
3: cut, deep cut.
0: <laughs> so a lot happens in this movie, but not a lot plot-wise. It's a very it's surprisingly a very simple story. So here we go. Robin Williams and Nathan Lane are a gay couple that own and work in the Birdcage, a drag nightclub in South Beach, Florida.
3: Oh my god, would that that were true. (laughs) If that were real life, I would be in South Beach like yesterday. (laughs) Armand,
0: who is played by Williams, is visited by his son Val, who announces he's getting married, but the catch is that the girl's parents are an ultra-conservative politician and his housewife. Ooh! Ooh. (laughs) Val begs Armand and Albert, played by Nathan Lane, to pretend to be straight when they meet their future in-laws. Armand has such a love for his son, he even offers to contact his biological mother in order to keep up the charade of Val having a normal straight pair of parents. Shenanigans (laughs) ensue, leading to an awkward and absurd dinner between the two families where, you guess it, everything comes out. That's that was the joke. Um Yeah. <laughs> and the two families find mutual respect for the sake of their children. Everything works out in the end of the movie ends on Val and Barbara's marriage. Now, the plot's kind of bare bones, but the meat and bread of the story are the details, the performances, and the humor. So let's get straight into it. How did y'all like this movie?
3: I love this movie.
1: <laughs> it's a it's a classic. I mean, what can I say? Um.
3: <laughs> I mean, you've got Robin Williams. You've got Nathan Lane. You've got um, you've got Christine Baranski. Yeah. Like, what is there to complain about? The cast could not be more all-star.
1: You have Calista Flockhart, <laughs> who has kind of, I guess, faded off the face of the earth. But she was big in the 90s, you know?
3: like this this movie was set up for a success.
1: It sure was the, I remember the
3: minute it was casted.
1: I remember actually watching this movie as a very young child <laughs> and not you know it kind of went over my head obviously like the the complexity of like what's obviously not the plot but like of of what's actually happening, so rewatching it now years later it. I was very pleasantly, I was very pleasantly satisfied with it.
0: I want to go back to casting for a second because one of the things that I think people really like about this movie and was spot on was the casting of Williams and Nathan Lane as Armand and Albert, and just mm-hmm. their relationship. Um, it's like one part mutual respect for each other and one part trying to outdo each other at every single turn.
3: Right. <laughs> yeah.
1: My ideal relationship, honestly. <laughs> <laughs>
3: It's, it's that wonderful thing that happens when you get two professionals in a room together and they're, and they both have such incredible comedic energy and it, it doesn't, it's not like a one plus one is two situation. It's like a, like a two to the power of two to the power of two to the, however many powers of two equals like way more you know,
0: <laughs> I mean, we could probably just like just quote their back and forth for the entire episode, to be honest. And, yeah. and, and this yeah. would be our most popular episode, like Fossi, <laughs> Fossi,
3: Fossi and Pinky Down. Fossi, Fossi, Fossi. Right. <laughs> and that whole that whole bit was improvised, too. You know, um, Nathan Lane and Robin Williams, both well known for improvising. Um and bringing more to the script than what's actually there. Um, it's a miracle that the director got them to do straight takes at all. But like, <laughs> this is actually, I'm uh, going to
2: laugh every time you say straight. Amelie... I'm going to.
0: There was one, there was 48 hour film project that Amelia and I were in where like, basically the, the compromise was kind of the same thing it was based on the production of the birdcage where it's like give us one shot direct from the script and then one shot doing whatever you want kind of thing (laughs) i I feel like a lot of like i feel like this has become sort of like um the go-to story when it comes to working with comedians or improv actors that really want to uh sort of bring more into their
3: roles right and like robin williams you know was notorious for that you know when they put him in the booth for aladdin they like famously could not get him to shut up you know
2: and he, he they could not use of for disney. like
3: hours yeah
2: and apparently most of the material like, he the, came out with amount, of, was not the, appropriate. amount
3: <laughs> the amount of material that disney has in the vault that they haven't showed us is humongous especially when it comes to that Robin Williams session. Release like, the cuts you Disney. In there. <laughs> Release, Release the cuts. <laughs> well, they can't.
0: Uh that was like part of like uh, uh like the 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 Aladdin drama between Disney and Robin Williams is a completely <laughs> a very long discussion that we don't have like, time we for. Could, <laughs> we
3: could
0: It's not
2: gay enough for this podcast, podcast okay?
3: Robin Look it up Disney on the drama look it up online it's, it's not just not a enough for this podcast. um <laughs> google it um you know as amazing as robin williams was i found the character that i really empathized most with was nathan lane's
0: nathan lane just wanted to be a good mother
3: he just wants to be a good mother this poor high-strung beset upon drag queen star <sighs> who just wants to love his family and be included. Um, (laughs) I don't know about you guys, but as a young queer who grew up in Texas, I can very much empathize with that feeling.
0: (laughs) I kind of empathize with Val because I was kind of a brat.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so no matter how much you hide it, even stuff sneaks through and, There are always people around you who know who you are, even when you don't know. Like, I had people saying I was gay to me well before I knew that I was anywhere on the queer spectrum. They were doing it as taunts. But, you know, it's, it's like that scene where he comes out, he's in the suit, but he's got the pink socks. And he says, I know what you're thinking. Dressed like this, I'm even more obvious.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I, I, that scene, every time I watch it hits me so hard, so hard, because I think at the core of this movie is a really, like, really potent message about, about being proud of who you are, mm-hmm. and, and not hiding it, and, um... And also, on the flip side, there's a really strong, like, through line of shame. Yeah. And, what, and w- how that connects to sexuality and how people still, I think, to this day, feel very ashamed of their sexualities.
1: There's that really great scene where um, Robin Williams is talking to Val, where Armand is talking to Val, Um and he gives him that whole speech about how he spent, you know, so much time hiding who he really was. And, like, he's proud of himself and, like, who he is and all this other stuff. Um, which I think really, it really, like, illustrates that exact, like, thread throughout that whole movie that, you know, they don't. They don't want to hide who they are. I mean, they, they're they doing it for Val because they love him, um, but you know at the end of the day they're proud and like they overcame all this adversity of being homosexual men in the 80s at this point right to get to that point where they're proud and i think you know especially for some of our younger viewers they might not necessarily be aware of i think in this particular moment in time that's even more uh powerful because i think coming out of the 80s where there was this giant fear of like gay men and aids you know like that was the big scary thing um Yeah, I think it's just even more powerful with the context of that. I think
0: my favorite allegory for this was they got rid of all of these... um, They got rid of all of their, like, decorations because they were just trying to subtract, subtract, subtract. And what they ended up replacing, like, all of these, like, very unique, uh, like, statues and set
3: dressings and you call them unique but they were all literally all penises <laughs> Except I was for the portrait like, on the wall except the, for it, the portrait on the wall they were literally all penises
0: they replaced all these penises with nancy drew um and, and if that's and if that's not crucifix. like a, <laughs> if that's not a good representation of the of the dynamic between straight decorating and gay decorating i don't know what is <laughs>
3: I feel like this this thing about having to spend because, you know, he said I spent 20, like 20 years hiding who he really was. Right. Um, So this like even goes back to the 70s and like the election of Harvey Milk and the whole like you must come out movement. Y- you must let the world know that you're here. And, like, back to, like, struggles with people like Anita Bryant. Like, forever cursed be her name. (laughs) (laughs) And I hope sometime that we can watch Milk on this podcast. I really do. Because I could spend a lot of time talking about the 70s and the 80s. (laughs)
0: I can spend a lot of time talking about was, milk, but not in the ni- <laughs> but not in the nice way. <laughs> I,
3: I was never there, but you know, you were there I in spirit. Some time. I was, I was, I, w- <laughs> I was not there at all. Um, <laughs> not even in spirit. <laughs> you know who was I there must've... in
0: spirit? <laughs> Conservatives. <laughs>
3: Oh, God. This is the worst transition we've ever made.
0: You're welcome.
3: <laughs> that was a...
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
3: I kind didn't
0: of Bring it on back. Bring
3: it on, bring bring it on back. back. Senator. He is senator. a senator. Yeah, the
2: senator is one of the founders for the the moral
3: order
0: let's just call it like a moral caucus
3: yes it is a very moral caucus
0: if you know what I mean
2: oh. <laughs> <laughs> and of course it is the old school conservative definition you know now back in that day you were, you were conservative you were against gays now sometimes they still are these days but it's Less likely, because now more of them are embracing their relatives who happen to be gay. You've got, you know, Dick Cheney, I think it was, who had the gay daughter. So he came around yeah, to it. I think. And there have been other Republicans who we're not going to discuss. We don't need to say their names. You. Um <laughs>
3: Um, and by the way, when we're talking about the senator in the story, we are uh, talking about the character Senator Keeley, yeah. played by Gene, Gene Hackman, who is Academy Award in this winning, movie. Gene Academy Hackman. Award winner Gene Hackman. Um, talk about amazing casting! Like like I said at the beginning of the podcast, this movie was set for success when it was casted. But, um, yeah, I think it is, um, interesting to talk about conservativism in relation to this movie because mm-hmm. it, um, it does kind of tie back into that, like, idea of being proud and being shame, shameful as well. Because you had these people, and to a certain extent, you still do, that are saying things like. Um, I think of what this will do to the structure of the family, say. And in this case, you have this movie that's about these two very wonderful gay people that really only just want to be good parents to their son, you know? And you have this whole idea, you know, that gay people were really just like you except gay <laughs> you know gay
0: people they have crappy sons too um...
3: <laughs> i mean you yeah. you can you can dive a lot down into like gay subculture and how like we're really fundamentally different but i mean at the time I think this was a really powerful message and one that needed to be shared, you know, like in the end, we're all just people and we're all just trying to be good people to the people who are around us, Mm -hmm. you know, and there's nothing really shameful in that.
2: You know, of course, important to note, this came out before the Lawrence versus Texas decision. Mm -hmm. So it was still technically illegal. So this was, prob- this was a movie that was about changing people's minds. We're like you. We just want to love our family. And sometimes our sons are little disappointing shits as
1: well.
3: <laughs> huh, you want to talk about yeah. Val? Let's yeah, talk gay about people Val. people can raise little shits. <laughs> Let's talk about <laughs> Val. How what is Val cool- short for? <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering about the whole movie. The world artist- may... Main- the world may never know. Well, is it Valerie? Is it Valium? <laughs> well, Valentine? What is it?
1: <laughs> uh, fun fact, Valentine. as an aside, I'm pretty sure that Valerie is actually in like Slavic languages, a man's name.
0: <laughs> Valen.
1: It's like Valadier or something like that.
2: Valentino.
1: But anyways, I, I like the idea that his name is Valium. So that's what I'm going to go
3: with. <laughs> yeah, his... <laughs> yeah so names because he is a total downer <laughs>
2: yes by the end of the film he comes around but I understand there would be no plot if he didn't make this ask of them but
3: But did he have to be such an asshole about it?
2: Yeah, like, yeah, he he could have been more apologetic.
3: It really kind of of creeped me out, like, how, like, persistently they tried to push Nathan Lane out of the picture. Yeah. When Nathan Lane is the one who came in clutch and, like, saved everything at the last minute during this abominable dinner party. (laughs)
0: awkward yeah. as hell dinner party my
3: my god how badly would you have wanted to escape that dinner party
1: <laughs> so bad
2: there wasn't
3: was there even a table at the beginning when they just had the chairs
2: you guys don't want to try sweet and sour mm. soup
3: no no that that sweet and sour what did he call it sweet and sour peasant soup or something yeah. like that yeah. it <laughs> sounded terrible
1: also, as an aside, I wanna point out something that I think really is a sign like a sign of the times, is that everyone at that table was really grossed out by the idea of a boiled egg being in soup, but that's like a thing now that everybody yeah. does because of ramen culture. <laughs>
3: <laughs> right ramen culture spread overseas and now all of a sudden like it's almost inconceivable to eat a bowl of ramen without a soft oil bag. Right? <laughs> this movie was so ahead of the time. This movie was so- Hank Azaria, you genius. <laughs> Speaking of which, Hank Azaria is in this movie, y'all! Oh Hank boy. Azaria. This movie was set up for success when it was casted, except why did they cast Hank Azaria as a Guatemalan I was man? actually curious about this.
1: <laughs> He of Spanish descent, know? at least. So
3: yeah, he, he's is he's he... of okay. So Spanish a... Jewish descent, yeah. That's a little bit more understandable, but like, I know not Guatemala though. He's
1: definitely Spano. not Guatemala
3: though, and also, um...
1: I think that is an important. I think that is an important thing to bring up, um, because
3: right, we aren't we. They weren't nearly where we are in terms of representation.
0: Yeah, it like, should probably be mentioned that the um voice that he's doing is also based on his grandmother
1: yeah
3: just okay that's, which is, cute. that's it really is, cute it I is love very that.
1: believable like i, I will love say, that <laughs> i will say like, so that was cute. that was one of my impressions when i was watching it it's like when he was doing his accent i was like oh this sounds like when i'm just being facetious and like you know Pretending I have an accent. I know that sounds wrong. I for our listeners, I am actually Latina and an immigrant. So like <laughs> I do sometimes like, you know, speak with an affected accent just like when I'm, you know, being facetious and stuff. And like that's what he reminded me of. So it's like, authentic to me. It's to a lesser to degree,
3: I also do that when I go back to Texas. Yeah. Like, Howdy, y'all. <laughs> I mean, maybe not that hard but you're not That's from the east side i
2: just gotta That's say are no, actually like the nato you were I like am... at least raised in texas if not born in texas and i gotta say that accent was lacking <laughs> i wasn't
0: anyway. trying you know, although you know my, who was I've great at actual like
2: impressions you know going back. i, I want to say like the scene where they're they're working to try to get uh oh my gosh albert to learn how to pretend to be straight like yes it's, it's kind of sad but at the same time it is hilarious like his walking impression he, of john he wayne really played it
3: up oh my god the funniest line in the movie i think tell me i'm wrong go ahead is when he comes back and he's like how did i do and and Robin Williams is like, you did perfect. I just did never knew John will- John Wayne walk like that. <laughs> <laughs> I really Accurate. hope that was an improv. <laughs> Accurate. If somebody, um, if that was a scripted line, please tell me. I would love to praise <laughs> the writer who wrote that line ahead of time. And will I will
1: say, like, uh... oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs>
0: I want to say while we're talking about like um, impressions and stuff like that, uh, Nathan Lane actually wasn't out at the time of filming this movie. So technically they cast two, quote unquote, straight actors to be two the two gay leads. Well, three gay leads, if you count uh, Hank Azari- Azaria.
1: Yeah, that's right. Because Nathan Lane came out in like 1999, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, three years after this movie.
1: But I think I think that's something that speaks very true to a lot of queer people, though. Like just that scene, obviously, like not I don't think most of us have had to like play straight for that particular situation. Right. But just the idea of having to play straight, I think very at our core, like does speak to a lot of queer people who, you know, have had to to act a certain way to like kind of try to pass, even if acting that way is something as you know simple as like pretending that you're not into other you know ex-gender whatever people
3: right on,
0: on a previous uh, episode we uh, talked about uh for lack of a better term uh playing it straight um
3: <laughs> <laughs> nader did it this time
1: <laughs> i've been straight taking acting. a drink every time we say straight by the
0: way so <laughs> uh straight acting gay guys i'm sorry um And for what it's worth, I actually think Robin Williams doesn't play it straight. (laughs) Or doesn't fall into that same trap of like uh, straight acting gay guys. Yeah. Uh, Which I really appreciate because, yeah, he is masculine, but he's also, you know, he's got his feminine side. He's not afraid. He's very proud of who he is and he's and he's professional, but he's also got sort of like a comical side and he's very loving, but he's not so rigid. He's not trying to, well, except for, you know, when he is actually pretending to be a straight person, um, he's not trying to be some other person's idea of masculine, even yeah, though he, right. I got one more, even though he is, um, playing the straight man, uh, okay. to Nathan Lane.
3: <laughs> yeah. I did it (laughs) Amelia has alcohol poisoning (laughs) wee (laughs) Um, I really appreciate kind of like how for a lack of a better term Amelia straight Robin Williams actually played it like for the comedy moments that are absolutely in this movie this is a rather serious role for Robin Williams Mm
1: -hmm. it's true
3: and it's really it's always really interesting to see comedians break into like really really serious territory like I would say like r- watching Robin Williams in Dead Poets Society or, um, or nice Jim, Carrey, Jim Carrey Jim Carrey and oh god what's the name of that movie is it Requiem for a Dream yes. is that the movie? I you, yeah, yeah. I love you
0: Philip Morris I love you Philip Morris yeah
3: no but for serious it's really interesting when you get these really brilliant kind of improv actors and you put them into really serious moments and say Mm -hmm. okay now now do it (laughs) it's it's got a bit more gravitas than your run-of-the-mill robin williams kind of zany role
0: I mean, to some extent, it it seems like it is easier for a comedic actor to uh, learn drama than it is for a dramatic actor to learn comedy.
1: You know, this makes me think of uh, one of the things my high school theater teacher, Mr. Cummins, fucking brilliant teacher, I love him to death. One of the things that he told me, or or, like told all of us, like, you know, I think our freshman year, like theater one class was... Don't ever be afraid to go over the top because it's always easier to pull things back from going over the top than it is to like try and encourage somebody to go over the top when they need to. And I think that that really speaks to that is that I think it's always a lot of the time easier for a comedian to pull it back to where they're being dramatic, as opposed to somebody that's used to doing like these super serious very realistic roles to like go over the top and be over the top and extra with things,
3: right? And also, I think it has to do a lot with timing.
1: Yeah,
3: uh, comedians usually have a really great sense of timing, like when to place the joke so that it'll have the most impact. And I think that that skill is a, very applicable to drama as well mm-hmm. to be able to time things. Like really serious moments and really serious kind of dialogue, so that they punch the audience in just the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's and Robin Williams is one of those you know who was the best at that, you know.
1: Uh, rest in peace. Every time I watch a Robin Williams movie, it's so bittersweet because man, that was one of the good ones. <laughs>
0: but it's Um, true though
1: he does have a really good sense of timing and i think going back to his other dramatic roles you know i haven't seen dead poet society in a really long time but that is a movie that like really stuck with me um because of robin williams and how he played that character like he was so effective
3: right Right. He, he was there, you know, he was there to be a teacher. Yeah. And, and that
1: timing. Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
3: And, you know, and in kind of the same way in this movie, he was really like 100 percent there, you know, in the role. Um, yeah. He wasn't trying to play it up for laughs. You know, laughs happen if laughs happen, you know. Yeah. And the fact that this movie can be billed as a comedy just <laughs> just speaks to the level of of ability you know mm-hmm. um but I think that robin Robin Williams brought a lot to this movie in terms of really serious like really like thought provoking content, and so did Nathan Lane, you know. Yeah yeah like we said at the beginning of the the podcast you know they're both very well known for improvising and both very well known as comedians but you know they really were given an opportunity to focus in and really kind of dig out at the meat of like what is very seriously
0: but they never kissed
3: but they never kissed that's true
0: (laughs) what a way wh- i want my money back this this movie gets a failing they
2: give each other Skip one it. they don't even, they
0: don't even kiss. kiss they
2: give each other like one very quick morning pet which is something married couples often oh, do it's
3: but because,
2: the you know instead of but the, hot the straight people kiss making out
3: <laughs> the straight people get a wedding and they kiss i mean I think but who wants something... to see straight people kiss ew. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah. <ew. laughs> Welcome to the Straight Anarchist Yoga and Erotic Association. Oh, God, no,
3: no. <laughs> today we're welcome. talking
0: about Bicentennial Man.
3: <laughs> welcome to this... And welcome The, to the <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to this straight missionary lights on... <laughs> missionary today, Lights Off Under the Blankets Association. <laughs> today we'll be discussing
1: The Notebook. <laughs>
0: oh, that's Mel's favorite movie. Oh. Ah,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I just want to talk about for a minute about this movie, its success. Like, o- like overall, it had like a uh, hundred and eighty something. This this pulled in a hundred and eighty five million dollars at the box office, and it starts off with a drag show in nineteen ninety
3: six. Yeah it it's kind of amazing how well gay cells even in the 90s
1: yeah
0: come for the Gene Hackman stay for the Gene Hack job
3: oh (laughs) oh, man Gene Hackman walking out of the club at the end of the movie in that wig and that dress nobody (laughs) wanted to dance with (laughs) me. telling Val please stay I don't want (laughs) to dance alone (laughs) no one wants to dance with me (laughs) <laughs> walking out the walking out the club going we are family na na da like the only
2: person <laughs> in the world to not know that song
3: man
0: no, it's he is kind conservative.
3: Of, <laughs> it's kind of amazing and like <laughs> like you were saying at the um during your Uh, go through of the plot. At the end of the movie, like, everything kind of gets reconciled, and minds are changed, and everybody leaves the club in drag, and he tells his driver to meet him at this location, and his driver's like, oh, honey, not in a million years.
0: (laughs) Actually... (laughs) <laughs> are we sh- are we completely sure that minds have been changed?
2: Uh, I just, I just, I what, I not would, necessarily. I, I would question. Like so. The wedding goes I would, through, I would hope but so. at that point, you know they're they, adults. They, now, given the size of the wedding, I would say they had to have at least agree- come to terms with it to some degree and been like, okay, these are our in-laws because there's no way that Val at 20 and his girlfriend who at one point is stated to not even be 18. So I also want to say I am against that wedding for age reasons. They were too young to get married. Um, yes, I'm probably saying this as a parent. They
1: are babies. They should not be getting married. Um, I Honestly, yeah. No, I agree.
0: I It's really so, weird because at one point they say she's under 18, and then uh, later on in the film they say she's 18. Yes.
1: I feel like she was about to turn 18, which is why they were getting married in the first place. But I do want to caveat to say really quickly i'm not necessarily opposed to that the fact that there is an age difference like him being 20 and her being 17 almost 18 is not that bad i feel like 20 is too young to get married 18 is too young to be married and that is coming i think all of us are from the south that's coming from the south like i've seen so many of like when i was graduating from high school it was like i graduated and l- literally there were weddings all that summer of my oh, classmates I bet. that were 18 I bet.
3: <laughs> um
1: i thought it was too young then and i still think it's too young now
3: you see i i also agree that it's too young 18 is too young to be married but I also think that a person has a right to make a decision that I mean yeah obviously yes, so, uh, yes. You know, I
1: agree with
2: that if you yeah.
3: want to get married at 18 go ahead it's your life You're and technically we'll say an that not
2: but not parents. everybody
1: regrets no. it go, go ahead, ahead. <laughs> but if I had <laughs> kids I would probably have the same reaction as Armand because I feel like <laughs> that was the whole crux of like when they had their first conversation was you're only 20 like that is way too young that would probably be my reaction to okay but be let's supportive. be real
3: there's no way that the actor who's playing val is actually <laughs> no, twenty. no
1: absolutely not absolutely. no he um
2: uh, i <laughs> he looked have, it up there was he not was a alone.
3: single ounce of baby yeah. fat on that he face. was
2: something like 28 whereas Callista Flockhart, playing an 18 year old was already in her 30s i believe
3: yeah <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah. this was
1: like the throes of ali MacBeal when this was like era or when this movie was made so <laughs>
3: right there's a long tradition of getting people who are actually older than their parts to play yeah power um, rangers <laughs> <no>. <laughs> um so <laughs> but you but, said uh, you don't think minds were changed but what about like actual like human being real people minds So, you think this movie changed any minds?
1: (laughs) No, I mean, yes, probably some. (laughs) Um, but from my own personal experience, so both my parents were and still are. Well, my dad's dead, but my still super homophobic, super homophobic. They loved this movie, loved it, loved it, loved it. They thought it was great.
2: (laughs) I gotta second that like, my mom has come around for the most part on gay people. But back in the 90s, she was still very thanks, much thanks against it. Thanks to me. <laughs> yes, somewhat thanks to NATO. She was very much against it back in the 90s, but she really liked this movie. She was the one who showed it to me.
1: Yeah.
3: I suppose I should be super thankful to be the one out of however many of us that had super supportive parents who had a long history of having gay friends because they were in the arts. <laughs> <laughs>
0: i mean like the movie that brought my mom around or like at least got her like having a discussion about me about homosexuals was little miss sunshine which i think is like kind of in a way like the anti-bird cage <laughs> as far as like <laughs> um because like the first thing she said after we finished that was like is steve carell gay um exactly <laughs> I, like that too not not to <laughs> our knowledge <laughs> but i don't know i think i don't think i don't think this was going to change anyone's mind who went into it With sort of like the thinking that homosexuality is wrong in 1996, but I think the people that were more open to it and open to like the idea of like that were that were open to the idea that what was being portrayed as homosexual, the stereotype wasn't exactly the whole thing, would have their minds changed Mm -hmm. kind of. I think that's where I am, but also in the movie itself. Like, doesn't it end? Like the last line is just like, "Which one's the mother?"
3: or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which one's the mother? I I can't tell. Which one of them? And the the, other. Can I honestly? I couldn't tell you. Actually, I think the real last line is like a huge sob from Nathan Lane when they kiss, and everybody kind of looks at him. He's like, "What?" i mean he didn't say anything but like his expression is what they kissed what do you want me to do (laughs) along the lines along
0: the lines of changing people's opinions we often talk about films as uh queer people and our experience with them do you think that this movie is sort of like it's uh has crossover potential like you mean to the straights <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah yeah i think lots of straight people love this movie but I it's don't got know... robin
3: williams in it yeah
1: i don't think it's necessarily <laughs> for the right reasons and i do want to touch for a second on the idea that in gay relationships there has to be a quote unquote masculine and feminine um and this is just kind of fresh on my mind because i was hate watching some instagram influencer that somebody like posted in their stories recently And that is something that this person, like, talked about a lot in their posts. They're like, even if you're gay and straight, there's a masculine and feminine person in the relationship. And as much as I like this movie, I feel like that is a trope that is played into in this film. And that is a trope that a lot of straight people have in their mind about gay relationships, where somebody has to be the man and somebody has to be the woman, as opposed to, like, Maybe you just have two fucking gay people in a relationship together without gender roles. Like, there is no mother and or father you who's know, just parents, you know?
3: You know why they did it? To sell the movie to street right, people. Right, of course. Otherwise, and I get that. The movie would never have made 190 something million dollars in the box office.
1: Right, that's you true. Know? And I get that. But I do think that's something that just needs to be kind of pointed out. Like, that, that is a trope that exists for straight people oh. in particular that there Absolutely. has to be I a agree. masculine and feminine and like no, right. literally there's, i don't <laughs> there's
3: a big there's a big shift of thinking between the 90s and the 2020s um, I think, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that in the 90s, gay people were really s- trying to sell themselves as, you know, yeah. the gays, we're one of you, whereas yeah. in the 2020s, we're like, we're gay, and we're very unapologetic about that, and we're yeah. very unapologetic about everything that that means, and if you don't like it, you can go suck on a lemon.
1: Or another thing. <laughs>
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, know, you can suck on whatever you, you can suck on whatever tickles your fancy the
2: point is you know <laughs> and these days we're left polarized that's
3: a real leap in ideology that's a real leap in ideology you know yeah, we had it's true. a lot of time to come that far <laughs> the 90s so. are f- further back than any of us would probably care to admit and I think
1: that that so kind cold. of like divide between gay media and like straight media, and the and the modern day. Because I feel like with gay media, like with actual legitimately like queer media, it it shies away from like all those tropes. Um, right. Yeah.
0: Can we define right. what actual queer media is? Because that could involve Will and Grace.
3: is will and grace queer media
0: is it
1: <laughs>
2: is i it? mean <laughs> that's why i'm asking
3: <laughs> i mean i i love it but is it i guess kind of i mean there's the idea that if you watch Will and grace you're obviously like a little bit gay At least because otherwise bit. why would you be <laughs> watching will and grace
0: <laughs> for the same reason you uh you you read a uh, Playboy for the uh, articles. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Sorry, Playgirl. Right. Um. Right. There's, in, in, in no way that I'm watching. You know, Will Will and Grace just for, oh, fuck it. <laughs> cut, that, cut that sentence out. <laughs> Swell. <laughs> we've <laughs> been recording let's... for 50 minutes
0: but <laughs> <laughs> well, let's i i think it's about time that we summed it up if you haven't guessed already any further clarification uh with our recommendations um so tell me amelia did this movie earn a palimony agreement or should it just end in a divorce
1: oh definite palimony agreement i would i would like half of the shares but no really I definitely recommend this movie. Um it's it's a great watch. It's funny. It's dramatic. It's got everything.
0: All right Mel was this movie a hoot or just a dead owl?
1: Uh definitely a
2: hoot and going back to the palomony thing just for that scene alone where Armand presents Albert with the palimony agreement, just how sweet that is back before le- before gay marriage mm-hmm. was finally legalized in the United States, that's about as close as you could get for gay marriage, and it, it's yeah. just yeah. so it's such a good scene
0: this is gonna make the next part awkward to say and last but not least Roe did you read the erotic fan fiction someone probably wrote about Armand and Arthur uh doing it or should you just block this movie out of your life like the like the knowledge of that fan fiction ever existed
3: um I'm going to pretend you didn't say that <laughs> and yeah. instead I'm going to reply with fussy 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 <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, anyway, that's what we think But if you've seen this movie or end up watching it later We'd love to hear your thoughts and your experience with it You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at G-E-E-C-A-B-O-D. That's G-A-Y-E-C-A-P-O-D While you're there, why not suggest a movie for us to watch in the future We're always looking for new suggestions And we can't wait to experience more movies with you I'm Nino Kitsch and I hope your pride was perfect Just like all of you are Later
3: Cue the music Yay! I don't know that, how does
0: their song go?
1: I don't know. Why can't I not remember this melody? I listen to it every week. What's wrong with me? I don't know.
2: I tried.